Welcome to Worker Movement, a podcast dedicated to the working class, a podcast dedicated to raising class consciousness. This podcast is for you, for us, for the worker. Imagine it's Tuesday evening, or whatever day the outcome of the presidential election becomes known, and you're thirsting for some punditry. You desperately want the corporate media to tell you why a given candidate emerged at the top of the trash heap. Now stop imagining. On this episode, we'll explain why each candidate won. It's not intended to be a prediction, but rather an analysis of an assumed outcome. We'll start with a Biden victory because it's less interesting. If Biden wins, what were some observable factors that contributed to his victory? Let's start off with the simple fact that if Biden wins, we have scraped the barrel for anything that represents a moderate Democrat, if we even call the Democratic Party a party anymore. Just the worst type of 47 years in the business type of Republican candidate we have. I mean, Joe Biden has been a Republican for 47 years, and he has not changed his policy and his beliefs in that long. He might have good rhetoric and nonsense, but his actions, as Trump likes to point out for the last 47 years, has been that of a conservative Republican who does everything he can for the upper class. So if Biden wins, it really just means that all the shit libs, the vote blue no matter who crowd, really just were okay with voting for a Republican. Yeah, they pulled the party so far to the right that they're just clamoring to vote for someone that isn't, I guess, a psychopath. I, I guess. Uh, right? Yeah. I guess. So it represents just a very kind of benign mobilization of this middle-of-the-road, shit-lib voting class of people that don't really pay attention that were motivated enough by Trump's kind of vulgarity to motivate themselves to fill out an absentee ballot and nail it in before the election. Like it's just, it's kind of a disinteresting outcome, isn't it? It really is because I feel like maybe a three-way tie right now. We're seeing mobilization of individuals who haven't voted or haven't voted a lot. And that's normally in the minority sectors of the poor, right? The working class who are fired up to vote and, and get their voice heard because of voter suppression. But in the reality, percentage-wise for the entire voting block, we're not looking at a high percentage of people like that. Yeah, the next voting block that looks like it's just vote blue no matter who, they're probably the largest majority. They're coming out and they're just going to stamp the name. They're going to use their voting card, which again, as a party politician and loving the idea of party politics, getting your vote card, going out there and voting for the names on your list, that's what you should do if you're good for the party. So the vote blue no matter who, folks, I guess. I mean, I think it's wrong because I hate the idea of Biden winning. But again, if you're a party official or someone who loves a party, go out and vote. Uh, and the third are people who just want things to return to normal. So they're willing to just vote for who they perceive to be not Donald Trump just to, I guess, have norm normalcy. Is that the word? Normalcy? We end up with this, these basically, I don't know, soulless videos who are just I want to go back to being able to, you know, go to the bar on a Friday night and go to Chi Chi's and order like the Kong or some dumbass mixed drink and just talk about work with my work buddies type of mentality. They want to, you know, be able to go to Home Depot and Lowe's and wander around the, the aisles looking at all the bathroom projects they're going to work on next. Those type of people, you know, they just they just don't want to have to wear a mask. And so the only way to not wear a mask is to f fix COVID. The only way to fix COVID is to get a confident response. Yeah. So a lot of these voters are basically just anti-Trump and Trump's a terrible choice. Nobody should vote for Trump. Like it, he's not offering anything. If you want to wander the aisles of Home Depot looking at overpriced tile, uh, Biden's your guy. And you at some level have this very basic recognition that 
COVID is the underlying problem. If Biden wins, it's more of a referendum on people just being sick of COVID and wanting some modicum of competence running a national healthcare system. You're right. It's it's kind of like picking second place because the first place is a showboat or something. It's really just kind of settling in for uh, the least harmful well, for harm reduction. And, and at this point in time, that's Biden. And uh, I really don't know how much harm reduction it really is because we've talked before about, you know, Trump can't fight wars. Trump can't fuck up the Middle East anymore. And he already, it already has been. Obama deported more people than, than Trump did and Biden together. I mean, there's a lot of shit that, that Trump did inherit. We're not going to give him any breaks. He's still a piece of shit. Uh, but, you know, a competent government might be a scary thing and Biden's going to come in very confident. So we may see changes, not for the better, but maybe for the status quo. And again, that's to protect capital. And the vast majority of people voting aren't even considering that there's harm reduction as a kind of a political theory. They're just saying Biden seems like a guy that can hold uh, a conversation for more than eight seconds without saying something racist or without saying something overly idiotic. It's not like even a political calculation. It's just Biden is the guy because Trump isn't. Yeah, they, you know, a lot of people don't have that, right? It, it, it's just pulling to the heartstrings or the thought processes or some of the ethos. So the idea of having a beer with somebody, yeah, you're going to vote because you like them. Or they're like me. Or he mentioned the same things I'm afraid of. Or his backstory is similar to mine. Or he's not Trump, right? Because Trump is nothing that you are. You are not a billionaire. You don't have assets everywhere. Biden's not a billionaire. He's got kids. They call him Amtrak Joe because he liked to ride the train. Trains are cool. Biden is more approachable than Trump is. And that, that in itself is a way that gives him the ability to just pick up voters just from sheer likability, right? Which is different than what Hillary had, which was zero likability. Yeah. At the end of the day, Joe's sort of an approachable, old, folksy white guy that a lot of people can sort of relate to. Uh, this was kind of the bullshit Southern charm that Bush had where it was, oh, I'd like to sit down and have a beer with him. And it's like, why would you want to have a beer with somebody with an ADIQ? But he won the election. I think the same thing sort of applies to Joe. I think some of the identity politics of Joe's a white male, he won't represent a steady hand just based on pure historical identity politics plays to a vast majority of voters. Uh, I think having Kotmala as a running mate appeals to a certain demographic as well. It also doesn't appeal to a certain demographic very specifically, but I, I think should Joe win, I think it, it can be framed as Kotmala was an asset to the ticket insofar as she didn't completely blow the election, perhaps in the same way that Tim Kaine did when he was Hillary Clinton's running mate, because who even knows who Tim Kaine is? That was probably one of the worst picks in history of the of elections. I thought Kamala was bad, but boy, Tim Kaine, he got nothing out of that. It ruined his career. <laughs> he got second place and lost any credibility, and what's Tim Kaine doing now? He's in the Senate. Good for him. I haven't heard his name in like six years, so who cares? We know that Biden's going to get out the vote because every single propaganda piece right now is vote. In fact, Biden even has signs that said, I voted early or I voted or I will vote.com, whatever it is. This is a giant. It feels like it's a coordinated effort linking the voting, uh, early voting and voting it all uh, with Biden. And this is partly because Trump has been against early voting and against mail-in. So, you know, we, we kind of have a, a conflict there. So the Biden get out and vote scenario is anybody that says you know or, or promotes voting early or voting at all is basically pro promoting biden is that the takeaway there and so corporations have been spending 
jillions of dollars to get out the vote for Biden by just basically saying vote. One of our ongoing theories has been that corporations have pretty overtly chosen Biden, capitalists chosen Biden, and just some of the the mechanical things that have been happening during the campaign cycle are very clearly driven by sort of this corporate choice. Uh, the second kind of fake town hall debate, I think, kind of represented NBC, uh, kind of overtly shitting on Trump uh, in an effort to do their part to kind of damage Trump. The whole vote campaign, all the TV ads, all the various sports uh, leagues saying vote. I think it's all a very intentional effort by corporate interests to choose Biden. and. Should Biden win, I think that'll be one of the major contributing factors to his win. I think corporations are going to surround themselves with Biden. I'm guessing they already have the transition teams ready, and they're going to say something dumb like we're open for business or, you know, we're going to open smart and we're here to promote you or all these dumb things that are going to be said by corporations that basically get free money from the Fed and just pump and dump their stock to just get as much inflation out of the Biden era as possible. Same thing happened to Clinton, and I think the same thing's going to happen to Biden. You know, uh, free debt handed out to everybody again, store cars, getting everybody just inflated upwards because there's no way to sustain the economy without basically deregulating, secretly deregulating a lot of these markets. And I know they can do that under Biden because under Trump, Trump is too dumb to do it. I think under, under Biden, it's going to be a no-brainer. You have a little bit of the framework for when Obama came in and bailed out all the banks. Uh, I think corporations are relatively friendly to that same sort of outlook from Biden. I think Biden will also represent a very corporate-friendly cabinet. I mean, if Biden wins, I would suspect he names a couple of Republicans to his cabinet. We're going to get the return of, you know, like James Comey as FBI director to complete the arc of reappointing a Bush-era Republican as FBI director and fulfilling the liberal dream of conceding in the name of bipartisanship. A Biden victory can largely be premised on a successful appeal to Republicans, a recognition among the I-just-want-to-grill crowd that Trump is doing a terrible job with COVID and support from corporations. A Biden win represents an assertion of neoliberalism's foothold in American society. We've discussed Trump as an authoritarian, not a neoliberal in the past. How can a Trump victory be explained? It means that the polling was wrong, uh, and it means that uh, everybody that was supposed to go out and vote stayed home, and that according to some conservative pollsters, there's a hidden majority of voters that aren't captured by polls. I, I don't know who they are, but, you know, they come to every town that there's hidden pocket of voters. So we have this uh, this notion of the shy Trump voter. They're very shy. They'll go out to a rally in bumfuck middle of nowhere without a mask on and be loud and obnoxious and drive their boats and parades. But in polling, they're shy. So I agree. It doesn't really make a lot of sense. Let's talk about polling just kind of in aggregate at the, the kind of the national and the state level. You see the media use uh, national polling. Uh, very often to kind of try and characterize the, the horse race because it's good for ratings. And national polling is totally useless because of the Electoral College. So Biden might have a 12% lead or a 13% lead or an 8% lead. It, it doesn't matter because the winner is not decided by the popular vote, maybe as much as it should be. If you're going to look at polling, state polling is what you should look at. And in 2016, state polling was basically wrong. What the polls have done a great job doing is capturing who will vote based off of voter data in those local areas. And that is the important part, is that they're always wrong. <laughs> they take they take what they've said of who's voted and they extrapolate it. Because who you vote for is hidden, but um, if you vote or not, that's 
public knowledge. And they try to extrapolate percentages that way. And it always seems to miss a little bit, right? In 2016, the demographic sort of estimates for how each kind of subpopulation voted, they were wrong. They didn't match exit polling. Um, I mean, this this can be for like a number of reasons. It's been fairly academically studied. It basically comes down to polling doesn't really serve a purpose if it's not correct. And if polling isn't correct, then who should care? I, I don't think we have this obligation to just kind of blindly trust polling. I think it's useful if it's accurate and it does sort of scientifically provide some sampling of where the population's at. But if if you can have elections and the outcome is totally different than what anybody thought it would be, like polling doesn't serve a purpose anymore. And it, it arguably represents a bigger sort of failing of society in that it's not clear to members of society participating in society what the sort of general consensus of society actually is. Like the fact that we, I think we have some confidence that Biden is going to win, but uh, if you look out just sort of over the landscape, it's not clear to everybody. And and I think that's at some level a problem where there's not confidence that the guy that's openly authoritarian and fascist and a complete idiot uh, is not clearly going to lose. You know, it, it's not often when you get um, God to get voted out of office, but that's what he's like to 46% of the country, right? He's he's basically a God person. And, and I think this is where voting gets a little bit wonky when you have two parties. You have an individual who can do no wrong versus individual who can't probably read anymore. That's Biden um, fighting this out. And I think that at the end of the day, you know, Trump loses because he just doesn't have enough secondary voters to come over and, and talk with them. I think people were tired of the Clintons and I think people were tired of pol- politics as usual, which is not true. I think they did a great job tearing down Hillary and she didn't motivate secondary voters or people that aren't part of the, the mainstream. And I think Trump did that the first time around. He just wasn't able to do it the second time around because he just, he lost too many times. He had too many major failures to be considered a winner. And I think that turns off a lot of voters because he didn't actually have any major victories. So if he does win, what can we conclude about the secondary voters? That either a there is some secondary hidden voters that we're not aware of, or B, enough people may have thought that Trump was already going to lose and they didn't participate, which is the other issue with polling, is that it can turn off votes. Or that there was enough headwinds in the voting cycle this time with COVID, with um, purging individuals on the on the rosters or rolls, um, or with shutting down precincts, or just all the, thing, all the obstacles to voting that maybe those that would have voted in the urban areas who don't necessarily ever uh, request the absentee ballot um didn't get out in time because let's be honest the 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 older demographic voters are going to vote conservative and they more than likely requested a absentee ballot they already used to it if trump wins the voter suppression tactics will have been effective i think it will have and i think there's less of a concern about voter suppression happening in some of the northern industrial states uh, but it, it clearly has been happening in states like Georgia and Texas, uh, sort of systemically on purpose with intent. And a lot of it's carried out by the local governments. There was some intent at the federal level uh, with the Voter Rights Act and stuff like that that was recently repealed. Uh, there's less oversight by the Department of Justice now. And so some of these voter suppression tactics are back in play. And I think Trump is very clearly utilizing them. And if he wins... Uh, I think it's going to be as a result of some of these voter suppression tactics playing out. Now, if you look at some of the states where this happens, it's it's North Carolina, it's Atlanta, it's Texas. These are all states that are basically Republican strongholds. 
but the same tactics are being kind of pushed in Pennsylvania and Wisconsin. You see the Trump campaign suing both these states to have certain absentee ballots excluded, to to prohibit states from proactively sending absentee ballots, purging voter rolls. There's some there's been some stuff in Ohio about people getting removed. There's been stuff in all states. Every state. Voter suppression antics. It works better in the South, but as the tactics sort of move north, if Trump wins your Michigan, your Wisconsin, your Pennsylvania, it will be because some of these voter suppression tactics work. Absolutely. And I think that's sort I don't I think that's been lost right now to the media. It's been about who can get out the vote in, in this. And I think, you know, when you start when you start looking at every single news outlet or every single news piece, there's too many insane things happening right now for this to actually be part of the news. Right? There's not there's no exit polling done. I mean there's things like, oh, record numbers, but they're not no one is doing things like, um, are these record numbers on pace to have a higher percentage engagement? like we had before, because I, I don't think that those numbers are actually being looked at. Yeah, you see on the news uh, some report of, so far this year we've had 50 million people vote early, and that's an increase from last cycle. And it's like, well, that's true. Like, it doesn't mean anything. No, because it's been way easier to vote early this cycle than it has at any time in the past. Yep. And there's a reason to. R- right, which is COVID. Yep. So you have these numbers presented, and you don't really have context for what they mean. So 50 million people have voted early out of how many that typically vote, and there needs to be a little bit of a population growth extrapolation as well. Yep. New voters coming in, new voters are dying off, whatever it needs to be, yep. So, I mean, you talk about population growth, talk about going out and voting, but the real question is, okay, we, let's extrapolate this out. Perfect. What does that mean that, you know, there's not going to be voting lines again? Are we going to have to have six-foot um, distances between people is that going to turn individuals off are there enough voting places are people not getting their ballots dumped in locations right is there not tomfoolery when it comes down to which votes are going to be counted again which votes will not be counted again so you know we talk about early voting but there's a lot of headwinds to get every vote counted this cycle and, and i think the voter suppression might be a big to do when it comes to deciding who's actually going to be president yeah, I think the presentation is also a little bit, if you acknowledge that so far 50 million people have voted, and that's more than last cycle, it could also mean that that's all that's going to vote because people aren't going to vote on election day because it's COVID, because it's hard, because there's fewer polling places. And there's a number of reasons. So I, it, it's just a contextless kind of projection of numbers that hasn't really been scrutinized or analyzed to make any sort of meaningful conclusion around what it means. Yep. And and what does it mean to vote early? Does it mean that your engagement was actually truly engaged? Did you actually support your candidate? Did you vote down ticket or did you just show up for the presidential? I mean, there's some other things hanging out here. I mean, there are a lot of ballot initiatives in other states. There's a lot that can happen when we talk about, you know, what you lose by having early voting. And there's a potential that this has a down ballot effect where everybody was really eager to vote against Trump immediately. You got your ballot immediately and you circled or checked or drew in the square, connected the dots or however your ballot format is. And you voted for Trump and you mailed it back and you didn't vote for the other 12 people Yep, on your ballot. Uh, you hadn't seen all the commercials that say, you know, Democrats like to tax more and Republicans are about law and order. And you weren't inundated with just a media cycle drivel that is campaign election season you already voted and you didn't vote down ticket you didn't find out that your supreme court nominee is a drunk driver there's a lot of stuff happening here and that that also has other 
in, you know, play things in here because you don't really know what candidates can be doing what until the very end. You know, there's a reason why it's a campaign season and not just overnight. There's a lot that can happen in the next week or actually week. And to some extent, voting, let's say, at the very start of September is a lot different than voting on, let's say, October 30th. I mean, that's two months of just events to happen. Let's say on September 1st, you were just as likely to vote against Trump as you were on October 30th. But you just simply know more. Yep. Not only have you known more, but but things that pop up like the White House conceding that COVID is basically a lost battle, right? Or Jared Kushner saying something super racist about how, you know, we want to help black people, but they're just lazy or whatever the hell he said. They won't help themselves, right? Just nuts to me. Right? A lot happened. And, and, and you know, that's the, that's the good and the bad of really it. The good is that more people can participate. We like that. The bad is that there's a lot that happens in between there, especially leaking of documents. There's a ton of stuff on on Hunter Biden right now that's supposed to sway some of the electorate. So this idea that early voting is always good and going to increase turnout, I don't know if that's an accurate assumption. It certainly makes it easier for people to vote, and that's a good thing. But I think it can also have a little bit of the the opposite effect where people tend to disengage because they've already voted. Yep. And that can lead to people voting, you know, September 1st or whenever you could start voting. You might not vote down ticket, and then you just totally check out because you've already voted against the orange man. Yep. And now, you, you know, there's no more volunteering because you're done volunteering, right? You don't care anymore. You don't give a shit if anybody's going, you know, to vote. You kind of lose sight of the excitement. So you can't take a child to go vote with you. There's a, there's a lot that happened there. Yeah, there's some unintended consequences that I, I don't think is are fully understood. And I think yep. should Trump win, uh, some of these unintended consequences, I think, help Trump. Yep, I think so, too. So if Trump wins, I think it's pretty clear that all the corporate front-running of the vote campaigns and the increased turnout and the Black Lives Matter posturing and just all the various corporate propaganda was just kind of a front to create a positive brand recognition thing. They didn't actually care who won. Again, I don't think that is going to be the outcome, but I could be surprised. There's a capital angle where choosing Trump is the, the better profit motive driven decision and doing all these vote campaigns is a good PR move. That is a very reasonable corporate position uh, where they take a more hands off and they just are fine with Trump and they don't care. Good point. I don't think the brands give a shit because brands don't care about you, right? They're not real people. They're not things. They're just people trying to make money and they, and they will always hijack your belief system because it's easier for them than having their own belief system just taking your money. For future episodes and to learn more about the worker movement, join us at workermovement.com.